0: Hello and welcome to B2B Better, the only podcast focused on helping early stage marketing teams do better than boring work. My name is Jason Bradwell, and every week I sit down with whip smart marketing leaders to talk about what it takes to build a modern day strategy that delivers actual business results, not vanity metrics. Each episode is packed to the rafters with actionable insights and takeaways that you can put into practice today. Let me help you be better than boring. Here we go.
1: Today on B2B Better, I'm very excited to be joined by Diane Wiradu, who is a messaging strategist and conversion copywriter, uh, and also the founder of Lion Words. How are you doing, Diane?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me.
1: It's a pleasure to have you on. We were introduced via our mutual friend and former guest of uh, B2B Better, Grace Baldwin, who couldn't recommend you highly enough to come onto the podcast and talk a little bit about messaging hierarchy. Tell me, how did you meet Grace?
2: Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan, fan of Grace's work as well. So both of us um, we actually met in a kind of mini mastermind course. Um, so we did the Copywriter Accelerator, which is by the Copywriter Club um, earlier this year. And then we actually went on to to work on a few projects together. So yeah, I love her stuff.
1: Yeah, no, she, she, she's great. Um I'm a little bit husky today, as we were talking just before we started recording, my three-year-old has infected me with with something, Um, so uh, hopefully my voice will hold out for the next 25, 30 minutes or so, Um, but you're going to do a lot of the heavy lifting here, I will throw that on you. Um, Tell me, (laughs) just to to start us off, tell me a little bit about who you are and and what you do.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a obviously, as you said, a brand messaging strategist and a conversion copywriter, so I work with kind of scaling growth stage, B2B, SaaS, and digital service companies, Um, and I help them, you know, simplify their message, attract more perfect fit clients, and, you know, get better results from their marketing. So, the work that I do is kind of split into two camps. So, first, brand messaging, you know, the really foundational stuff, right? So, that's becoming more and more important for B2B brands who want to stand out against, you know, all the sea of sameness online. So, There, what I do is kind of help the founders, small marketing teams, get clarity on their messaging, their positioning, uh, the differentiation, how to talk about what they do, how they sound, all of that kind of good stuff. Um, And then that sets the foundation, really, for kind of strong and effective copywriting um, so that they can go and kind of grow and scale the team. And then second, the conversion copywriting, so what we're going to talk a lot about today um, this is where we kind of put that strategy into place. So a really research-driven, customer-first uh, approach. Um, and I help my clients kind of optimize their messaging, um, mostly kind of full website projects, but also on the campaign level. So landing pages, funnel assets, things like that.
1: Got it. And how long, have you been, how long have you been doing this for? And have you always been interested in the kind of copywriting, messaging, positioning piece or were you doing something else prior to that?
2: Yeah, so my, I've been doing this, I guess, for less than two years. So my, my journey into copywriting and messaging was kind of linear. I feel like the, the answer to that question is always like, I fell into it. But um, I quite made quite a strategic uh, choice to move into copywriting. In a previous life, I was a translator. So I worked in languages. And in a previous life before that, I was a, a project manager. So I've always kind of worked with messaging, with communications, originally with with language, um, but always on the kind of marketing side of things. So when I uh, left my kind of last in-house role a few years ago, um, I set up my business as translation. And I was focusing on marketing, messaging stuff. And then kind of gradually it kind of boost actually spurred on a little bit by kind of the COVID pandemic, as always, uh, that often happens. Um, I kind of made the move into copywriting, messaging, and just really saw... um, I really just a kind of a gap in the market to kind of bridge these two areas between copywriting and messaging. Yeah. Um, and that kind of beautiful gray area is where I live.
1: Excellent. Excellent. we well, are clearly doing very well for yourself. And I know that uh, the next, you know, 25 minutes where we're talking about messaging hierarchy is something that you live and breathe every single day. And I know the listeners of B2B Better are going to find huge value in. When we were talking a little bit before uh, we started recording um we were clarifying the differences in people's understanding of messaging hierarchy um it could mean kind of more broad strokes as a business you know uh, with you know perhaps multiple products serving multiple markets different buyer personas how do you kind of consolidate and make sense of all those different messaging components into into a single narrative but then there's also a more kind of granular Perhaps even on-page understanding of of messaging hierarchy. We're going to be talking about the ladder today. Break it down a little bit better than I have. What exactly is messaging hierarchy in this context? Yeah,
2: you did a great job there, uh, Jason. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so thank largest, you. Some of the <laughs> yeah, so messaging hierarchy is a simple but really important concept, right? So like we said, probably it will have lots of different names depending on who you speak to. But for me, it's essentially the order in which the messages should appear on a page to convince your reader or your prospect to take action, right? So it's very simple, but kind of crucial if we want our visitors or readers to kind of move through this journey that we've kind of mapped out for them. Um, In a really simple, like, I like to think of it like this. All good stories have... A beginning, but an end. <laughs> yeah. And so should your copy. So, you know, whenever you land on a page, there should be this logical flow that takes you from uh, where you are and, you know, the conversation that's happening in your head, what you're thinking to where you need to be to make an informed decision. So it's really just about taking someone from A to B.
1: Yeah. Okay. And uh, why is it necessary for brands to have a messaging hierarchy? Um and at what point in their a company's life cycle should they be looking at creating one
2: yeah i mean it's it's important essentially because mapping mapping one out helps you answer the question what should go on the page and where right <laughs> because otherwise you're just you're just guessing and following others blindly um, and so, you know, like we mentioned at the beginning of, the, um, of the, the episode here, I'm kind of talking about this on an asset level. So in terms of when you would approach this, um, if you've kind of done the groundwork with your kind of brand messaging stuff, and now we're looking at the actual copy of the messaging, we're really looking at kind of that asset level. We're looking at your website and we're looking at a product or a campaign. Right. So <clears throat> you can have a generic hierarchy in a certain way, um, but you really need to map this out for each asset. I mean, I, I, I can give you an example, actually. So, recently, um, I created a messaging hierarchy for a uh, website project. So, I was working on a website, website rewrite for a B2B software development company. Um, so, luckily, I kind of done the messaging stuff with them first. So, we had the differentiation down, the value proposition, the core messages, kind of, you know, you know, their approach to building their identity. Um, and if they looked at, you know, everyone else, you kind of end up with this Me Too messaging, same structure, same flow, same formula, you know, all, every single website looks the same. And that's why people aren't really paying attention to anything you say, if you just kind of copy and paste what other people are doing. Um, but here's the thing. So based on uh, their audience and their market, um, you know, speaking to their customers, seeing how people were interacting with this site already, uh, we could see that the biggest questions for their customers were around, um, you know, how are you different? So kind of, why should we pick you? Uh, there was a lot of doubts around trust, uh, within that particular market, okay, the software development. So why should we believe you? How can I be sure that you know your stuff? Like what have you done already? Um, a few questions about kind of speed and how involved they should be. And so based on that, I could map out the structure for their website specifically to, to address those for their customers. So, um, What I ended up creating had a real heavy emphasis on on social proof, probably a lot more than you would see on any other website. Um, On a couple of pages, we actually led with, uh, you know, customer testimonials and went really heavy on that messaging because that's what their audience needed to to see and needed to hear. Um, uh, And also kind of reinforcing that social proof throughout the messaging as well. Um, And also using their, we talked about their process and their culture um, in order to kind of differentiate them from their competitors, so I guess that's like you know one example of um, how doing the work at, at, in, and understanding your customers, you can really map out those messages in a way that works for your specific um, ICP buyer persona, whatever you want to call like whatever. B2B term you want to use for your customer. <laughs> just pick
1: one out of the lexicon of B2B terminology. Yeah, I'm <laughs> trying yeah. not to use yeah. the jargon. Sometimes <laughs> I have to
2: catch myself.
1: Yeah. Um, so if I just sum up then the kind of purpose of uh, having a messaging hierarchy for at, a, at an asset level, you know, one, it's for consistency. So you're rolling out the same formula across your assets. Doesn't mean it's going to be the same Copy your messaging necessarily, but just that the the flow is consistent uh, throughout uh, every touch point that a potential customer is experiencing on your website. And the second is to have the biggest impact. Uh, you mentioned there, you know, what is a huge flaw of many B two B organizations uh, messaging and positioning is kind of the uh, The sameness um, of, uh, of competing brands just kind of lifting copy from one's website and placing it on their own. I remember my first B2B marketing memory is walking through a trade show hall and just being struck at how similar everything sounded and looked. Everyone's using the same shades of blue on their stands. Everyone's saying, you know, every time, everywhere, you know, every device or whatever it is at the time. So, you know, the second purpose of this messaging hierarchy on top of the consistency one is, impact, you know, ensuring that every touch point is resonating at a deep level with your buyer uh, as, as much as possible.
2: Yeah, I do, yeah, I definitely agree. And you, I was having a little chuckle um, then <laughs> because yeah. I was, I recently, I went to um, Web Summit, uh, which was uh, in Lisbon. And it was, I was just a fairground of like looking at everyone's messaging. And it really is like the, People, it's it's the thing that people focus on last and forget that you know you can't speak to all of your your prospects in, in the same way as your competitors. You have to speak them, speak to them, sorry, in in a, in a different way. I think I'd say as well, probably the goal is is even simpler than what you just said, and it's just simply just to take it's taking your prospect from what they were thinking to what you want them to be thinking at the end of the page, which is usually some form of, you know, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need. Sign me up, right? <laughs> That's yeah. kind of what you want your prospect to be saying once they've interacted with your messaging. Um, but to, to get there, I like to think like I break the process um, into kind of three simple questions to start you off. One, who is our prospect or our visitor? Like what are they thinking? when they land on the page. Two, um, what do we want them to be thinking? or do at the end of this page or interacting with this asset, this messaging? And then three is just what messages do they need to hear to get from A to B? Um, and, you know, really that's going to change depending on your prospect's stage of awareness. So the right hierarchy will will, will change massively depending on if your prospect is uh, kind of super product solution aware, they know you, they're landing there, they're super familiar. You know, I I... Uh, read your newsletter. And then based on that, you send me to your podcast landing page, let's say, so you need a different message there for me rather than, you know, cold traffic to um, uh, a landing page. Right. And so really it's kind of mapping that out. uh, And the first kind of 10% of whatever asset we're talking about is really just matching that stage of awareness. Uh, And then the rest of the page, or, you know, the the other 90% is then uh, moving through and answering those, questions and doubts in a logical order for that particular uh, customer or buyer
1: got it so it's fair to say then uh, I guess as a, for you uh, you know as a as a as the founder of line words when you're going in and working with a new client who's saying you know diane we need a, a messaging hierarchy to help us uh, improve the performance of our website are you starting with research and if so what does that? Research look like to get you on that road of creating uh, a hierarchy that someone can put into
0: practice
2: yeah precisely I would say probably like seventy to eighty percent of my work is just is the research it's you know people think that copywriting and messaging you're just kind of putting the words on the page but really um, over half of that process is message finding and the message finding first obviously starts with looking at the product and, and the company and the whole ecosystem, which if you're an in-house, you know, copywriter, market, growth marketer, whoever is like in charge of the messaging, obviously you have that down for me as an external cons- consultant. The first part is obviously understanding anything and everything that I can about the product and about the offer. Um, and then we go into, yeah, the, the customer, the customer research, right? The really juicy stuff. So depending on, um, you know, if you're kind of enterprise, if you're a kind of scrappy startup phase, like however we can have get access to your customers. Um, I always love to do customer interviews. They're my favorite form of research because I just think, you know, the gold that you can get from five interviews outweighs like 100 survey responses. Mm-hmm. And so I get to sit down, ask Uh, questions, um, and questions not for question's sake, right? So specific questions that are going to help me get, tease out that gold and understand the messages. So I kind of split the, my research. I have kind of a four-part research framework. So I'll I'll always look for things relating to one, the pains and struggles that, you know, your, your prospect, your customers are dealing with, two, their needs and their desires. So, you know, what really is that, that, that change in state that they're looking for so not the kind of surface level stuff obviously then the objections and hesitations like all of those doubts which will again vary depending on their stage of awareness um uh, and then the kind of the the big picture benefits like the the kind of outcomes um but yeah so it's it's uh always kind of research focused and I tend to um, touch on as many sources <laughs> as I can. So it can be hard not to get stuck in the weeds. Um, but yeah, so uh, interviews, surveys, and also any kind of page analytic behavior as well to kind of look at how people are already interacting with your your messaging.
1: So you've done this deep dive into the company and its products and its customers, and you've got a firm understanding of you know pain points and, and benefits and kind of what message is going to, Resonate. You say that takes up seventy to eighty percent of your time. What does that remaining 30 percent look like? What are you? How are you pulling that all together into a tangible asset that you're presenting it back to the business as This is something you can now use.
2: Yeah. So I tend to use uh, a lot of spreadsheets, <laughs> spreadsheets and Google Docs. So uh, even though I work with words, a lot of those words live in tables, uh, and so kind of from after the research uh, phase and message message finding, I then kind of move into that like synthesis uh, and strategy. So then I, I have a few templates that I use to kind of map out those pains, map out the needs, the desires, struggles. I'm looking for patterns. Um, I'm looking for kind of juicy stuff that keeps getting repeated by everyone so that then I can prioritize those messages. So I can see. okay, well, this is a core pain. People are talking about the pain in this specific way. This is a key doubt that we haven't addressed. Maybe that needs to be higher up on the page. Um, And so then I kind of put all of that information into this this, uh, research template that I have, and then uh, build it out into um, uh, kind of a message map of, okay, well, what are the top three messages for this particular um, this particular pain or what are the top three messages for this particular benefit and how can we work those in? Um, and then from there, the, the kind of the end, um, the the actual kind of messaging hierarchy, if I'm presenting that to a client will look, it will look really different, honestly, depending on the project, but often it's just a simple, okay, this is the approach that we have from the page from the top down based on the research that I found and I'll present that to a client. And so there you've got all of the background messages as to why, <laughs> why this message is going to be at the top of the page, because, you know, you haven't just pulled it out of thin air.
1: Yeah. Do you find that your clients are reusing or repurposing the messaging hierarchy for assets that aren't to do with the website? So, for instance, I hear you talking about, you know, pain points and benefits. And, I'm you know, my mind's going then, you know, to could this information be helpful to, you know, a sales exec? um in the crafting of their cold outreach emails is that something that you would advise for advise against or you're just kind of indifferent towards their asset they can use it as they wish
2: yeah that's really interesting i've never seen that with the work that i've done um i do think that repurposing any of your research efforts is obviously really smart there's no point Doing this, in a in a silo because it doesn't help anyone. So obviously, getting if you're getting input from sales teams to build this thing, then obviously share share that with everyone. You know, everyone who's going to be um, using this this asset, this landing page is obviously a part of a campaign that touches everyone in the marketing team. So it's worthwhile that everyone should see how those messages were built out and why they're there. Um, but yeah, it's it's an I think it's just an open question for the audience. Yeah. Try, it, try it out and, and let me know how you get on.
1: <laughs> do you, um, what do you think it takes to create, what's the kind of like secret ingredient of a messaging hierarchy um, in your position as kind of an external resource, you know, outside help? You know, you're creating a framework, I imagine, that can then be handed over to an internal team so that they can then scale it out across the rebuild of a website, hopefully using your services, but perhaps on their own. Um, You know, what is something that, in your experience creating these, that you need to include in a messaging hierarchy so someone can almost take it who hasn't been involved in the process of its creation and put it into practice, you know, from, from a cold start? Does that make sense, what I'm asking?
2: Yeah, I think so. So what and I think I'm maybe I'm going to annoy you by not answering your question. <laughs> My favorite
1: answers are the ones that don't answer the question. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I don't think So the, the interesting thing is that messaging hierarchy isn't a framework. So it might seem like one. So there are copywriting frameworks. So for example. Uh, we might know pas problem agitation solution and you'll land on you know lead generation <clears throat> sorry lead generation demand generation assets and I'll say hey this is the problem you know empathize with that pain and then here's the solution or you'll have uh, another framework which is um, ADA aida so uh, attention interest uh, you know desire and I, I can't remember the letters now <laughs> um, but they move the prospect like logically through the um, the the message but that's not really messaging hierarchy isn't really plug and play because it really depends on your prospect mm. um their at stage of awareness the particular asset the particular campaign and so you have to ask questions thinking of um you know what your prospect is thinking. So it's it's really it's as I said at the beginning of the course it's it's a really simple concept, but when you talk about it, sometimes it sounds more complicated. So I just kind of want to bring it down and remind everyone that it is like really easy. It's just moving someone logically through a set of questions and you have to you know have the research in order to answer those. So um Maybe let's kind of think of an example. If we land on any asset, or let's say you know uh, your your homepage, right? So we're looking at a website asset. The first thing that someone will ask when they land there is like, "What is this?" or "What do you do?" <laughs> like that's the logical first question. Depending on uh, where they have come from, if they're cold traffic, if they already know you, then we're going to kind of change the messaging based on that. Uh, the next question is usually, "Well." Why should I care? Well, like, what's in it for me? Okay, now I know what you do. You know, you have this, uh, you have this resource, you have a podcast, like, okay, why should I care? Is it for me? Uh, And that's where you, you know, obviously we're, we're looking at the value proposition, et cetera. And then you kind of move through these logical questions, like, okay, well, why should I believe you? Have you done this before? And that's often the kind of the moment where we need to see social proof or we need to see other people like us. And then uh, there might be a question. Well, how does it work? <laughs> so show me your process. Show me exactly what this is. And that's where when you know I'm working with software, um, uh, software as a service. This is that moment where you start actually saying, well, this is what it does and how it functions and how it helps you. Uh, I might then ask, okay, well, how is this going to make my life better? You know, and that's where we kind to talk about the the benefits um what's the what's the catch like what's what's the guarantee like you know you're, you're moving through okay everything sounds good but something's off and you, that's the point where you need to kind of reinforce your your offer um and there's always obviously a question like well what should I do next and you know that's your kind of call to action so I think those are some of those key probably answering those key questions will give you um your bare bones minimum viable messaging hierarchy. I let's get that into let's enough. get that into an
1: let's get that into an acronym. <laughs> yeah.
2: MVMH, M-V-M-H. <laughs> uh,
1: it sounds like um, sounds like a fraternity name or something like something someone will get branded into their own yeah. MVMH. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna
2: catch up. No, I don't think
1: so either. Maybe we'll get into it. Maybe we'll get it as a t-shirt. Um, what are you doing to measure or what can people do to measure the success? of this kind of initiative? You know, um, we go through all this effort of doing this intense customer research. We develop the messaging hierarchy. We redo all of our pages. What are the kind of metrics or indicators that you and your clients are looking at to say, okay, this has had an impact?
2: Yeah, I mean, that will really, it will really depend. That's the kind of stuff that you want to establish at the beginning of any project, right? So before going in, you can't uh, optimize, Any messaging or any asset without knowing like what is the k what's the what's the main kpi what's the what's the goal here Um, obviously it's helping our customers um you know make some kind of informed decision but on a greater level is it you know you looking to increase engagement here are you looking at uh you know um uh signups like simply just engagement is it you know kind of micro conversion so i think that 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 will really that will really be a function of the the particular asset right? So when I, when I come in, I'm not usually kind of setting that when I'm working with a client, but I'm saying, okay, well, tell me what your, your main goal is. And then let's make sure that this asset is working towards that goal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that I mean, that makes sense. When you say asset, you talk, cause I mean,
2: Oh gosh. Yeah. Sorry. You know, I'm no, slipping no, no. into, no, 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 <laughs> no, it, it does make sense.
1: I think what I'm, what, what, what I want to say is like, um, the process itself seems simple, as you've said, you know, and you could overcomplicate it in your mind, but actually the, the process of pulling something like this together is, is is simple if you know what you're doing. But I think, you know, in my position, you know, throughout my career where I've been perhaps not, uh, I haven't had, you know, a huge amount of funds or resources available to me to hire an expert like you to come and help uh, do this or... I haven't had team members internally who can roll this kind of process, it could, see, it could seem somewhat daunting because you're talking about effectively running this process, when you say asset, I guess, against every single page on your website. And if you have got a complex value proposition where you're talking to multiple buyer personas, I mean, it's orders of magnitude, isn't it? I mean, you've, you know, if you've got a very simple one-page website, okay, it's somewhat straightforward. If you've got 30, 40, 50 pages, this could take up a huge chunk of time and, and, and bandwidth. Uh, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that? If you're a kind of one-person marketing team listening to this podcast saying, yeah, I need, a, I need to roll something like this out, but I'm only one person, you know, um, what's your advice to that person in that context?
2: Yeah, you're right. I think it can. I think with most marketing as well, it can sound daunting and it can seem daunting, um, but it isn't and it shouldn't be. (laughs) So, and I think it comes back to as well, kind of maybe just going back to those initial questions, because I think we've expanded on them. Um, and we've talked about this idea of this logical flow and answering all the possible questions that your prospect or visitor might have. And that might sound crazy, but just really putting yourself in your customer's shoes and thinking hey, um, you know, we are targeting uh, marketing directors in this particular industry. They have these pains, they have these challenges, um, they probably have these doubts. When they land here, what are they expecting? And what kind of questions might they have? How can we answer them in a logical way um, that will just help them get the the information that they need to make an informed decision? And it really comes down to that. And I think that, um, you know, it's, there's, there's process, there's frameworks, there's, Maps, of, there's all this stuff, but really it just can, comes down to having a bit of empathy, uh, sitting down, taking a step back, and just trying to put yourself in your customer's shoes and just think, you know, would they want to, you know, land on this page and see, um, and just be told, hey, this is what we do, this is what we do, like ten times in a row, probably, not, <laughs> probably not, probably once is is enough. And then the the next question that they're going to be thinking is, okay, well, how does it do that, and how can it help me? Um, so yeah, I think just kind of paring it back, taking a deep breath, if anyone is
1: (laughs) (laughs) pouring (laughs) yourself a stiff drink, (laughs) Uh,
2: but it, yeah, it is, it's quite a simple process. And I think that's the kind of unfair advantage, I guess I have in a way when I come and work with B2B companies, because I am external, I kind of have that, uh, fresh perspective and that clear eye that I can take a step back, um, and see, uh, you know, founders and, one person marketing teams are who I work with and they always get, they, they are kind of almost too close to their product to see clearly anymore. Mm-hmm. And it always happens. I kind of, I call this, um, this phase, like the founder funk, like you get, like you just get in this founder funk where you just can't see clearly. It's like you're inside the jar. So just take a step back, uh, ask someone else. Um, and say hey does this answer like do you have any doubts Uh, and message testing as well is also going to be a great way to just make sure that you have um, not missed anything and you can message test using platforms that are available you know user testing winter etc or you can do like the old school way and just like find people (laughs) and ask them
1: (laughs) what do you think where do you see b2b brands falling short of nailing their messaging more generally? Because you work with a lot of different companies across a lot of different sectors and products. You know, what's the one thing that you
0: think B2B brands need to improve on when it comes to, to messaging?
2: I think it's going too big and too broad with their messaging. I think trying to please everyone, trying to speak to everyone, you know, hey, we're the tool for executives, managers, directors, marketers, students, like we're the one for all of you. Um, And I think that that's like a one way ticket to uh, just like obsolete ocean. Um, Like, and and it's not even just the small growth stage uh, companies who kind of fall into this trap. And it's very easy to um, you know, an, an old client of mine, which was like a multi-million dollar SaaS like enterprise company, they 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 once told me when I asked them, hey, who's your target audience? And they said, Oh, well, every anyone who uh, uses Microsoft 365. I was like, okay, well, that's like 2.2 million businesses. <laughs> so we might want to narrow that down, you know, tech companies, legal, financial. So how can you possibly create targeted messaging that um, actually resonates and that makes a connection that helps people when you're trying to speak to everyone? So um yeah i think that that's one of the the biggest traps and um oh this is great who is it, it was it was seth, it's seth godin right who talks about you know walking away from this ocean and looking for yeah. a swimming pool yeah yes. well i yeah. think i try to take that analogy further and i say when you're a growth stage of b2b startup like walk away from the swimming pool and find yourself a paddling pool <laughs> like that's all you need <laughs> just dominate and find that one person and speak to that 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 one customer
1: I I love that. And I've definitely sat in uh, boardroom meetings where uh, my heart has dropped when I've heard an executive say, we are all things to all people um, or something to that effect. And it is just the, it sounds impressive, but it is the weakest foundation on which to build a messaging strategy. And as marketers intuitively, we know this. And I think, you know, we need to perhaps get more, more savvy, you know, uh, communicating the weaknesses that that type of foundation ca- can bring, especially as you start to scale your operations as well. Because if you start from, you know, the place of we are all things to all people, you just, very, you know, as the company grows, you very quickly stretch your bandwidth, stretch your resources, you make a lot of very small, ineffective bets. And ultimately, the whole thing is just absolutely diluted to, to, uh, to, the, to the bare minimum. Um, so yeah, no, I, th- I think that's absolutely spot on what do you think is yeah, going to be and
2: every oh sorry no okay go and every time you and every time you say we are all things to all people a kitten dies so.
1: a kitten dies <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first folks uh, a kitten dies every just in time case that you.
2: helps anyone yeah. in there. <laughs> no one to one.
1: <laughs> that's the business case how many kittens are we comfortable killing uh with this messaging? you've
2: killed uh, two and i've killed one today <laughs>
1: What do you think is going to be the biggest change in how B2B companies market themselves over the next five years?
2: Mm, I love this question. Um, I think it's a stronger focus on brand building. Definitely. I think that every B2B category and industry is just saturated. Um, You know, I think the last uh, MarTech report, like last year, said there were like 8,000 um, marketing technology tools, like, you know, across CRM, content management, SEO, all this kind of stuff. And so how can you be, you can't be better than everyone. Like it's impossible. And no one really cares if you are anyway, you just have to be more memorable. I think that we're already, you know, if you said 10 years, I might've said something different, but you know, within the next five years, I think we're already on our way there. Like B2B companies are starting to realize, like it's just a never-ending race to innovate. You can't win there. So it, you, you have to build your brand. And yeah. in whatever way that looks like, whether, you know, that for some that's uh, really pushing on the the personal brand and using the kind of founder identity for others, it's the building brand communities, whatever that looks like. But yeah, that's you need to I think that if companies don't get on that now, they're, they're gonna die sorry i
1: ended really morbid then <laughs> no no i mean we talk about kittens dying we're talking about companies yeah. dying who else is gonna die i'm no. a jolly
2: person yeah. i promise <laughs> it's,
1: it's getting late no it's it's it dark outside so it must be reflecting on our moods no it's i i think i think you're bang on and and you know i was actually funnily enough just writing a paragraph on this before we, we started recording this podcast um i think more marketers are becoming adept at building the business case for long-term brand building um with their CEOs and their CFOs and, you know, demonstrating that understanding that not all of our potential customers are going to be ready to buy from us today. And in fact, the vast majority won't be ready to buy from us today, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be nurturing them today. It just means that we have to do so with the expectation that we may be investing in our marketing and not seeing, you know, results on the bottom line, uh, you know, direct results, direct attributable results straight away. And, you know, how can we leverage community, employee advocacy, founder-led marketing, um, you know, uh, social media, organic social, all these kind of interesting channels where intuitively as marketers, we know buyers are spending their time, um, but it's about convincing our, our leadership that, you know, it is worth investing, even if you can't find in that brand building exercise, even if you can't see the short term results straight away, you know, you've got to hold out that it will come further down the line. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Who should I interview next on B2B Better?
2: Oh. I listened to the podcast. I knew you were going to ask me this. Yes. And I was trying to think, and I have so many people that I want you to interview. <laughs> so like, is there a limit, Jason?
1: You, let's keep it. Let's keep it at three. Let's stick at three.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, well, the first person that came to mind was Joe Glover, who's the founder of the marketing meetup, um, because he's great. He's not really like B2B focused, but he's just got such a refreshing perspective on, you know, making marketing accessible. Uh, so I think he'd be a great guest. Um, I'd also say uh, Mayva Cifuentes. I'm not sure. She's the founder of Flying Cat Marketing. So she's B2B SEO and content strategy um, is what they do. Uh, so she's got a really great uh, perspective on kind of B2B marketing. Um, ooh, loads of, like, I just want you to speak. I, I listen to podcasts like all day, every day. Uh, so, I mean, also a, like April Dunford, like you should oh, definitely yeah. chat. I don't know if you have already, have you?
1: No, April's, April's uh, someone that um, has been on my kind of target list for a long time. And I've been waiting for someone to recommend her. Now that you have, I'm very happy because uh, I will reach out to her. I've got a book just there. Obviously awesome. Yeah, obviously yeah. awesome. Yeah, just there on my shelf. Yeah, I mean, that would
2: make a great conversation about, uh, you know, uh, positioning, which is the foundation for everything else and messaging. So that would be a great uh, lead-in.
1: Joe, Maeve, and April, you look out for an invitation to b2b better in your twitter dms very shortly yeah <laughs> diane thank you so much for coming on to the podcast tell us where can we find out more about you your services or just ask you any follow-up questions that uh, the listeners of b2b better may
0: have
2: yeah thanks for having me um you can find me at uh linewords.com uh if you want to hear you know get in touch about my uh brand messaging and copywriting services and if you just want to hang out, I hang out on LinkedIn way more than Twitter. It's like secondary. Uh, so yeah, connect with me over there. Uh, follow, send me a personalized message uh, so we can chat.
1: Excellent. I'll drop the uh, link to your website and to your LinkedIn in the description of this episode. But otherwise, Diane, thank you so much for coming on to b to b Better today.
2: Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
0: And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you enjoyed the interview, go ahead and subscribe to my podcast, leave a rating, a comment, a review, or just share it on social media. It will really make my day. Every Monday morning, I send out a newsletter to B2B marketers all around the world on how to do better B2B marketing. You can sign up to that via the link that I'm gonna leave in the description of this episode. Or if you need a fix of B2B marketing content goodness right now, you can head over to my website at www.jasonrbradwell.com. See you next week.